With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome into the Rocky Top Talk podcast. I'm Will Shelton alongside Joel Hollingsworth. Uh, a different kind of week than we thought we were going to have. If you go back to our previous podcast before the Appalachian State game, I'm sure it was uh, a little more sunshine and rainbows and now there's a little more anxiety in our voices. Tennessee, of course, escapes Appalachian State 20-13 to 13 in overtime on Thursday night. We're recording this on a Tuesday night, so almost a week uh, from the time you'll hear it on a Wednesday. So a little more time we've had to watch the rest of the college football world and try to figure out what exactly that was we saw from the number nine team in the country. And we'll talk a little bit more about Tennessee and Appalachian State in the second half of this podcast. But, of course, Tennessee is on to the battle at Bristol this Saturday night, and uh, one thing that I have said, I think, since the end of the Appalachian State game is that if if there are legitimate issues with Tennessee in, in the many different problem areas that they had, it won't take us more than Saturday night to really see them come to life. If Tennessee is, is truly as bad as we saw, uh, then Virginia Tech will certainly be capable of exposing that. And so to talk about the Battle of Bristol and the Vols and the Hokies, we bring on John Schneider, who writes as the Mighty Favog on Gobbler Country, SB Nation's Virginia Tech blog. John, thanks for joining us. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Uh, waiting until the big event this weekend, doing my research, writing my papers. You know, that that uh, you guys are doing the same thing. Are you going to go Sweating to the, it out. Uh, the old Battle no. of Bristol? Are you going to be there? No, I'm not. Uh, uh, the uh, the boss has got the credentials for that one. Uh, he's going to the. He's going to be covering the game from the press box. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm going to be doing the the uh, thread from the TV so that I can actually comment on things. There's there's very strict rules about what you can say or can't say live when when you're in the press box. So so we rely on the people on the out, our our writers on the outside who see the TV show to 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 be able to call, you know, say a little bit more descriptive things than you can when you're in the press box. Gotcha. So, you know, Virginia Tech, hard to navigate with opinions and everything when you play an FCS foe in the first game. Even harder when you've got a brand new coach after so many decades of, of Frank Beamer. I think the, the kind of the outside perspective takeaway on the first game with Justin Fuente was the tempo, Virginia Tech running 89 plays, the first time they've run 89 plays in regulation in forever. <laughs> Is that kind of the, the biggest fingerprint you've seen thus far from, from your inside perspective with Fuente? Or uh, just, just give us kind of the biggest differences you've noticed, whether on or off the field, after having Frank Beamer for so long and now moving to Justin Fuente. Well, we all miss Frank. Um, Frank Beamer was an institution. He was he he was a method. He, he was he was the when you want to put a good coach out there, he was the good coach. You know, you, and you could see it. That's the way he ran things, and he ran things his way. Well, the hammer dropped uh, at the end of the season last year when Justin Fuente came in, hired his people close the doors. <laughs> the Beamer barn, boom, close the doors. We had, um, uh, it's been a trickle. Everybody's been pulling teeth. The media has been carefully, uh, it's been a lot of coach talk. There's been a lot of, uh, yeah, you know, um, we're going to do our best and, you know, hard, tart, hard, smart, tough, you know, and, and, and kind of the slogan kind of thing. You hear the trickles. Uh, he's very different about the way he handles his public relations and about the way he handles the information flow coming out of the um, out of the office, the AD's office. And I can't blame him at this point. Uh, there's going to be a lot of there's a lot of heat. Okay, it's it's not overt because Fuente people really liked him when they started seeing his resume. Uh, if you check our site, we're 
like one one of the first people to find him and see him and illuminate him is a really good choice for the school. Uh, my son wrote that article, but the 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 um, the upshot is he's a different kind of coach with a different method and a different outlook, and his outlook is offensive. And yeah, um, that touch you're going to see. You haven't seen it yet. I, that's what what all of our suspicions are. We don't have the hard facts because we're not sitting in the back room. But I don't think you saw on Saturday even close to what you're going to see. If the TCU and Memphis offense, I saw three Memphis games last year on TV. I don't know how many guys you saw. Um, that the Fuente offense moves. It moves fast, and it doesn't really give you a whole lot of break. It, it, it actually, the break is, I think they go out to try to break the defensive line and, and to win. The, it just, they just run. It runs. Um, two, 12 seconds, the spring game, there was 12 seconds between plays to give you an idea. And even if they were basic simple plays, that's what we got. We, we, you know, and I don't know, he's not going to keep that tempo up forever because the defense, you know, Bud Foster, be hollering in his uh, fellow alumni's ear. Yeah, that's that. I think we need to we need to send a a, a hokey bird or something to uh, Murray State <laughs> <laughs> because because the Murray State racers seem to be uh, a very big part of the Virginia Tech uh, scene at this particular point in time. When you look at, you know, obviously the, the tempo going so much faster, and I know that's what a lot of teams are doing right now, but it's it's hard to go from what Virginia Tech was doing offensively the last three, four years under Beamer. And I, I thought they were more successful in 2015. I know struggled offensively a, a couple of years before that. But how do you feel like Virginia Tech's current personnel fit or, or perhaps don't fit with uh, offensively trying to, to go as fast as you can? All right, we've never been a big team. I mean, a physically big team. If you look at the the real stats of who've been on the players on the line, uh, play you know the, the the wideouts, the biggest guy out there right now is kind of Bucky Hodges. Um, he's I think he's going to be the world's largest slot receiver. <laughs> but uh, the, the the when you look at the offense. And you spread it out, which we've been screaming about. Those of us that are football nuts have been screaming for years. You've got smaller guys. Spread it out. Stop trying to be a power running team. Be an influence running team. Do what you can do. You know, you do what the personnel you have can do. I think that's what you're going to see Fuente do. He's going to take what his concepts are, and then he's going to take the personnel that he has. And we've got some good players. Some of them... Yeah, a lot of them aren't going to go to the pros. I'm I'm sorry if, if some of that may sound controversial, but you know most college kids don't go to the pros. This is their last; these are their last four years of football they're ever going to play, and so I think that approach, tapping into guys, you need to step up. This is it for you. You know, this is it. You you need to put it in, put it into gear now. You're not sitting around waiting. You're not going out for the draft early. You need to play as hard as you can now and do it with, with, you know, with a fair amount of intelligence. His offense is that the pros don't understand it. They call it unsophisticated until you actually crack the playbooks from TCU and um, from Memphis. Uh, that, that are available. Some of the things that are available on YouTube, some of the studies, if you, if you go back, and you look at it, um, they're going to be a big challenge because it's a dynamic offense and it's a very sophisticated offense. And it will get more sophisticated as the players learn more and he adds more. But uh, it's going to, I think all of us are going to be surprised. The Tennessee players and Tennessee fans are going to be surprised, but I can guarantee you the Hokie fans are going to be surprised. I think it's going to be a different world than we're used to. You know, we're used to that three yards in a cloud of dust, three yards in a cloud of dust, and throw the ball and pray, right? 
Right. Well, well, that that's not going to happen in the Fuente era. Obviously, a lot of new concepts, like you say, a very different personality for this this offense. Then you throw in brand new quarterback Jared Evans, top rated dual threat junior college player, comes in again FCS opponent. So we want to take everything positive and negative with a with a grain of salt. Did become first Virginia Tech quarterback to throw four touchdown passes in a game in 12 years. What were your initial observations of Jared Evans on Saturday? Uh, in seeing him run out of the tunnel, and I was on the field. I, I actually covered the field. If you take a look at the site, I, my my piece is up. Um, I I saw the kids run onto the field. He was carrying the flag. He was running on carrying the flag. I mean, there were a bunch of guys in the front, and I'm pretty sure it was him. It was a little hard to see in the crowd. It was a big number four, and he was tearing off with the flag. Uh, now, because his defense is Kenny Canham, which is is also four. But the what it you saw something in the beginning that kind of stunned a lot of the newer players, and he's one of them, definitely one of them. He's used to the junior college level, even if it was Air Force, and he it, he spent one year at the Air Force Academy. And my dad was a West Pointer, and I've been to so my first college game was at Mikey Stadium, and and I know how the you know the that crowd act, even if it's the Air Force Academy, the academies do things pretty well and they have a pretty good solid crowd but this was different this was him coming out on the field to enter sandman and you cannot hear you cannot think the 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 sound is the concussion from the sound coming from the stands and the vibration of the kids jumping all the people in the stands jumping it it just it blows your mind it really does it's it's an incredible sight it it wins all those awards and everything else but but it has an effect on the players. You think it has an effect on the, the opposing players, but it also has an effect on the, the, the newer players that have never seen it before. And I think Evans started off a little shaky. He was throwing off his back foot. His, his footwork and his handwork seemed a little muddled in the beginning. It was like, but it didn't last long. I, you know, probably a couple of coaching sessions on the, on the sideline and, you know, Fuente is a very active coach. He's very much in right there with the with his players. Um, and I think as you saw him get some air in uh, in in his lungs and settle down, you saw over the next quarter and a half, two quarters, by the middle of the the middle of the second quarter, he had gotten his feet back up underneath him, and you were seeing experiments with passes you were seeing i'm going to throw these you're going to purposeful routes run at least this is my opinion okay i was seeing purposeful routes run that that the receiver was was getting a back shoulder throw and you know you want to go to ford on a back shoulder throw and have him go up for it because because isaiah ford is a you know a a world beater receiver when when he wants to be when he can be Bucky Hodges, the perfect pass for him is a layout soft loft into the corner of the end zone so that he can he can stretch out that six seven length and all those arms and gather that ball in on you know for a touchdown pass where no one else can touch it. I think you started to see that, and we had a little bit of that with Brewer uh, Brewer threw a really decently accurate catchable ball. But Michael Brewer was also barely six feet tall. Right. And you could see him get lost in the line of scrimmage where he'd lose sight of receivers or open receivers because you have you had a bear in front of you trying to kill you. You know, so so <laughs> what do you do <laughs> when you're you gotta try to find a throwing lane and some of the things he was he was not finding throwing lane. Well, we're not gonna have that with Evans. Evans is Big, tall kid. He's got good feet under him. He's got good balance, and he seems to have a really decent control over the ball. So he's putting it where he he was starting by the end of the game to put it exactly where he wanted to put it, or throw it away if it was a bad situation. He was throwing it away. Something we didn't see much of. So uh, on the other side of the ball, um, the biggest concern for Tennessee, I, I think, and Joel, you and I are talking about this in a minute, but 
coming out of the Appalachian State game, Tennessee's offensive line just did not look very good and didn't look very good against an undersized opponent. And one of the things folks said right away is, you know, Bud Foster certainly would have enjoyed watching that game. Certainly, I'm sure, did watch that game Thursday night. <laughs> Tell us a little bit sure about uh, – yeah, yeah. Tell us what we can expect from Virginia Tech's uh, defensive front against Tennessee. Okay. Um, Tech's – I will tell you right now from doing the summer's analysis, Tech has two defensive lines. They play well together. They interchange pretty seamlessly together. So I call it the salad bowl approach. <laughs> so you can mix and match the eight players you've got to go in. You you know, if you want a heavy look that, that really is going to stuff the run, you're going to see Settle come in. Uh, you know, it, it, you might even see Settle and Williams come in. Uh, um, there's no telling what Bud fought. Bud Foster, for the first time in a long time, has a defensive line that looks like it might be able to put pressure on the quarterback or and stuff the run without having to have an excessive amount of support from the linebackers, which has been a weakness over the last few years. Uh, you know, our linebackers have been too small and overwhelmed, although and probably Andrew Matua-Pulaka is probably the, the, the most improved football player from last, from last season. And he was look, he's, looks like he's put on some beef, and he was, he was tearing it up pretty good on Saturday. So... And he and he and Tremaine Edmonds are going to be a pretty nice combination for to to bring back the bear front four two five. Couple more questions, for John, and we'll let you go. The um, yeah. when you look at Virginia Tech in the last few years, obviously playing Tennessee is not a big deal on its own. And played Ohio State home and home, played Alabama a couple times in the last decade. But just this this thing, this monstrosity at Bristol that none of us really know exactly how it's going to work or, or what to expect. Get a new coach, obviously, after so long, like we talked about. Is there any additional sense of importance on this game, any additional meaning from, from a Virginia Tech perspective? I know for Tennessee, like in any other year, well, in any other year when Tennessee wasn't carrying an 11-year losing streak to Florida, I feel like this game would, would carry a little extra weight. But so many Tennessee fans have only been able to think about Florida. For Virginia Tech, is this, is this carrying kind of an extra layer of, of weight, or is it just another big non-conference game for you guys? What's, what's kind of the intangible perspective on this battle at Bristol? Uh, I can give you our impression, uh, and and – from what I've heard, you know, there's not a whole lot of history between these two teams. I mean, in the old days, back when the colors of Tech were black and gray, which actually right. is celebrating, is being celebrated in our uniforms uh, this, for, for the game, uh, that's kind of the, the flavor they're taking is this is a, this is a dropped kind of uh, relationship that should have maybe continued, uh, that, that that these schools are very closely matched. The teams really are very closely matched, even though they're not in completely the same position. They really sort of are. Both teams have come off of disappointing, several disappointing years, uh, some structural rebuilding, some coaching changes. Um, that this looks like it's a matchup. It says this might be a smart matchup instead of walking into a haymaker of Ohio State or USC or, you know, or for, for pity's sake, Alabama. Instead of starting off with, with, with the monster grizzly bear, let's start off with somebody who's punching our weight and see how we do. You know, and, and, and it, I think it's a chance for both schools to stand up and up, both of them up their games, you know. Uh, a football game is only as good as the competition. I, I, I always drive people crazy. I hate runaway games, and I hate, I hate no defense games. I'd love, I love a 6-3 football game that was hard fought between two quality football teams than, a, than a, either a blowout, you know, 63 to nothing blowout, or, a, or, or one of those shootouts from the Big 12. I, I, that's me. Yeah, yeah, so an Alabama-LSU game, 
is exciting to watch because they go out and play football. It's old-fashioned smash-mouth football, you know, uh, and, and that's, I guess maybe that's where I come from history-wise. I mean, I'm an old Pittsburgh Steeler fan from the 70s, and, uh, you know, I was 10 when I was a, started rooting for the Steelers. So, you know, that kind of football appeals to me, that the, the grind it out. But, but the, the explosiveness of having, having really quality offense to, helps but not without a quality defense. So let's see how this goes. I, 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 think, I think these two teams are, are, are going to be fairly evenly matched running onto the field. I think that, that Tennessee was, unfortunately for you guys, way highly overrated. Uh, that doesn't sound complimentary, but it is because I'm not a big fan of these polling gigs, and they set unrealistic expectations sometimes and Tennessee's going to be a tough opponent, and, and Tech's going to have to bring its A game to do this game. And also, y'all are going to be ticked. I mean, face it, that's yeah. just what's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of people that spend a lot of time running suicide because they didn't play the right kind of game last week, and they're going to come in to, to, that, to the, uh, the, the, uh, the football field and in the infield and they are going to, you know, they're going to bring it. And, and Tech had better be on their A game because Tennessee's going to bring it. They're, they're not, I don't see any reason why they're not going to. They're going to prove that they're supposed to be where they are. So I think it's going to be a good football game. All right, last question, and we will uh, we'll let you get out of here. If there's one thing that, that Virginia Tech needs to do to uh, – to be successful, uh, someone's dog agrees. Uh, if, yeah, if, if, if there's a, if that's not the first dog on the podcast. Uh, if you could identify one one thing that stands out to you in terms of Virginia Tech really needs to do this to be able to be successful about Tennessee. Again, it, hard to say in only week two, but what's what's the one key for you or the the biggest thing that stands out in terms of Virginia Tech having success against Tennessee? Tech's got to stop Tennessee's offense because they're, the offense is better than it showed last week. Uh, their quarterback is better. Your quarterback is much better than he showed than what showed up last week, and he's going to know that. Uh, so the defense has to has to bring it, and um, they're going to have to they're they're going to have to play a game that's pretty much a shutdown game. If they give up too much, it might be a little hard. But the one thing that's going to have to happen is their tech's going to have to run their offense. They're going to have to run their new offense without hiding too much, well, you know, but without you know, a smart way. Run what they're capable of running. They need to control the ball. They need to move it. And they need to keep your offense off the field. Period. Now that sounds like standard football talk but you know what if you do that every single game you're going to win fair enough all right you can check out john at gobblercountry.com that is sb nation's virginia tech blog john and lots of good folks doing good work uh over there john we look forward to it on saturday night thanks so much for joining us here tonight yeah you bet i hope you don't have too much good luck but i I wish you guys a, a good game and 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 let's see what happens at the uh at the far side of this one All right, fair enough. Same to you. Thanks, John. Mm -hmm. All right, Joel, let's bring you in here. Um, We'll get back to Virginia Tech in in a few minutes, but obviously, again, it's been almost a week, which is a strange kind of of happening here to be talking about Tennessee instead of a couple days after like we normally do on this podcast. We've had so much more time to think about things. I felt, you know, walking out of Neyland Stadium, there were (laughs) – People were mad at each other. People were wanting to fight each other, all kinds of things. Nobody was really happy. But here now, six days later, I have kind of centered on that offensive line was really not good, uh, and, and that's kind of where a lot of my focus has, has gone instead of being upset about lots of other things. Is that for you, is, is offensive line your biggest takeaway here a week later from what we saw on Thursday night? Is it, is it something else? Have you changed your mind about how you felt about things? What was your, what's your biggest takeaway here a week later almost from that Appalachian State game? 
I don't know that I can narrow it down to one thing, uh, except by just generalizing all of it together. And, and that is that I, I think that uh, that just wasn't our team. Um, I, I think it was rusty, you know, and, and, you know, Butch said there are no preseason games. And you heard it on several of the telecasts uh, um, this weekend, you know, you don't really get a chance to warm up on these things anymore or, or in college. And so I just think that uh, I just, it's a, it's a big combination of things. I think Appalachian state was better than we thought. We thought they were pretty good anyway. I think maybe that we weren't quite as good as we thought we were. Um, but I also think that it was probably even more rushed than that. Um, and so you know, and then I think also we we probably overlooked uh, the team a little bit. And the thing I didn't put in the post this morning, but probably should have, is for sort of a fourth factor, and that is that I think those guys play a different style that we're not used to. Um, I don't know that we're going to see a lot of cut blocking in the uh, the rest of the schedule, but that seemed like it really really bothered us uh, on on defense. And then I don't know whether the um, their defensive line was doing something to ours that uh, we just didn't get that made them look like they didn't look last year. But again, I I just think you need to look more at what happened last year um, than you do at that one game because the team hasn't changed that much and you don't generally get worse. So, (laughs) you know, and I kept thinking with regard to the offensive line, when I got back and watched it on TV, they were talking about how our guys were all 50 pounds. Each one of them was 50 pounds heavier and four or five inches taller or something. And I remember back in high school um, playing backyard football. And this kid, one one of my uh, friends was a um, guy from India. Um, His name is Ashok. And his a little brother was named Dalip, right? And Dalip was about three and a half feet tall and about 65 pounds. And you could not tackle that guy. It was like trying to tackle a, a fly, you know, because he was he was just so much smaller than you that you just couldn't grab him. Now, these guys weren't that much smaller. I think they were bigger than three and a half feet and 65 pounds. Um, but I wonder if the fact that we were so much bigger really gave us a lot more trouble than we thought. So, you know, I think that also is maybe four days of uh, rationalization and making myself feel better, but whatever works. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's certainly the hope uh, of everyone. You, you said that's not our team. I think, look, there's a scenario here where we say, all right, they only ran Dobbs four times in regulation they ran him twice yeah. on third down and overtime. When when we had to have it, they ran Dobbs. They're going to run Dobbs this week. Um, offensive line didn't take him seriously. Uh, I've said and, and wrote in the post game, defense I, I really thought was fine. They they adjusted um, to what Appalachian State was doing, and Appalachian State had a 36 yard touchdown drive. And again, I still like tip of the hat to that other touchdown on the wheel route. Great play, great catch. Um, that that's what they wanted, and they got it. Um, so yes, that, that whole thing. And, and then the vanilla component didn't want to show Virginia tech, anything, all that stuff, all that's there. So I can, I can buy that scenario. And if Tennessee comes out and jumps Virginia tech 17 to nothing in the first quarter, then I think we're all going to say, okay, okay. You know, then, then that was there. And also let's, let's point out, I don't know how many app state fans are listening to this podcast here this week, but yes, we, all of us who cover Tennessee or, or, can't speak for all of us, but at least we at Rocky Top Talk owe you a huge apology for not, like, we didn't even preview those guys thoroughly because we were so caught up in Tennessee being top ten for the first time in ten years. Uh, those dudes are good and and good at what they do, not just, you know, talented, which I'm sure they are on a Sunbelt level, but good at what they run. They ran it well. Um, you know, obviously some heartbreaking stuff happened to them, which we can relate to at the end of the game, but that's a good team, and I don't think any of us took them as seriously as we should have, and, and probably including Tennessee. Um, having said all that, that's why I still go back to offensive line, because I agree with you, of course. If you've got the same components 
and you were awesome at it last year, you should be awesome again. And they don't have Kyler Curveson, but Kyler Curveson was a tackle, and we really got hurt up the middle. Um, yep. I think Drew Richmond has a much bigger chance. This is the Drew Richmond watch week is, is this one, where you're going to get Bud Foster coming at him in a lot of different ways off the edge, and Tennessee probably having more um, scenarios in which they try to throw the ball. This is the Drew Richmond, you know, we'll, we'll learn a lot about him this week. But it wasn't him. It was in the middle where we thought we were going to be strong, uh, and, and they just looked really bad. So I kind of have to default to – weren't ready to play, wasn't us, Coleman Thomas, a little banged up, all those things. Uh, and, and the weird, you know, lateral movement by App State's defensive line, all that stuff. I, I keep saying that over and over. It's been six days now, and I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I'm saying it not just because it's what I want to believe, but because that's actually the, the you know, I feel like we're grasping at straws for, any, for anything else. So um, we'll, we'll get an answer to that this week. I don't have any doubt about that, but for now, I would still lean toward, you know, not not our that was our D minus game, uh, and it was good enough to win yeah. barely, but um, that's that's yeah, still kind of where I'm at too. You know, just look at. Uh, did you see the Florida State game last night? I did all of it. I, I thought I was going to go to bed early, and then alas, <laughs> I know it. Uh, but man, did they look awful in that right pass? I mean, they couldn't even carry the ball, you know, <laughs> Dalvin Cook was, was a Heisman uh, contender last year or something, and, and he fumbles the ball just by carrying it, you know, I mean, bad snaps, everything was just, it was horrible, and then they found themselves, you know, I think it's just a matter of early in the season, you got to get, the, you got to find the groove, even Alabama didn't find the groove yeah. right away, you know, we just got to find the groove. You said last week something that I thought was really good, which is when you're trying to make these tweaks and, and fix something, make sure that you don't break something else uh, along the way. And, again, I, offensive line, that, that seemed uh, certainly, if, if not broken, at least fragile in comparison to last year. But did you get the sense that Tennessee was, was trying to, to fix any anything else or or that anything else was was broken i really like that metaphor i just i i i don't know what a whole lot difference that we tried to do against app state because i think we thought we could roll it out there and and out talent and and get it done um did, did you see anything where you thought oh that's new or you know anything like that from either side of the ball no and you know the the reason i i sort of gravitate towards that is because i'm kind of I'm kind of like that. I'm a I'm a tweaker. I think Butch Jones is a tweaker, and right. I think that actually infuriates people because we didn't see any. We didn't see him try anything new. You know, even when it wasn't working, he wasn't trying anything new. You know, you and I think he's probably just going, well, let me just try a little bit of something. You know, a little more salt or something. You know, right, right. Because we threw one deep pass. You know. And I, I and I got so jealous <laughs> watching uh, watching Georgia's uh, brand new freshman quarterback throw the ball halfway down the field every other play. You know, I just you know I'd love to see them try something else, but you know I I don't want them to break something else in the process. Um, it um, if you're going to risk something that you do well then I think you should sort of, you know, uh, experiment slowly. Um, but the thing that was infuriating was um, they spent so much time, so so much precious time, because we didn't have the ball that much, trying to continue to do things that were obviously not working mm. and not trying something else. You know, because they should have figured out, if the game plan going in was, not necessarily let's play vanilla because we don't want to show Virginia Tech anything, but let's play um, a standard game because we don't want Josh Dobbs to get hurt and we think we can win without him running over 35 yards or whatever. Um, That plan should have gone out the window much sooner than it did. Um, So, you know, again, I know from, from being a tweaker myself, 
that the downside of that is that you're you're too slow to respond sometimes, and yeah. you need to respond sooner than that. This offense is just, um, and, and I'm leaving room for it to be able to be both because I'm afraid this is what it's going to be all this year. This ball, this offense is both like can be awesome, but it's just also so maddening at the same time because yeah. they're not they're not good in the ways we we. Uh, not that they're not good. They're not explosive in the ways we and everybody that watches college football wants them to be. But then no. they're not as they're not nearly as bad as when we say, "Oh, they're bad." Do you know how many three and outs Tennessee had Thursday? No, I'm going to be surprised, aren't I? Only two, because doesn't it feel like we had like six? But there were like only we were two. getting two yards every play. There were only two, only two three and outs. There was uh, one on the uh, second drive of the game uh, after uh, after we uh, we had the 15 play, and that's a whole another sermon right there. The 15 play drive. The offense's first drive of the year is a 15-play, 70-yard drive because we refuse to do anything other than gain seven yards uh, on any play max. Um, but then they went they – went, so they went three and out on their second drive, and then they went three and out on the drive after the bomb to Malone when the game was tied and we were all thinking, you know, okay, here it comes. Tennessee's going to take the lead. But Coleman Thomas got the holding penalty. And then third and eight became third and eighteen, and they threw an incomplete pass and they punted. So they had they had two three and outs, one of which was created in part due to a holding penalty, and that's it. Those were the only two three and outs they had all day. They were the masters of, uh, as I go back to uh, the rest of this box score, and like again, the, this is not as bad as going three and out, but just like it's going to pain me to say this: fifteen plays, field goal three and out, five plays, punt, eight plays, punt, six plays, Dobbs throws the interception, second half, five plays, punt, 11 plays, 48 yards at a massive 4.25 yards per play field goal, then the bomb for the touchdown, then the three and out punt, five plays, punt, and then the touchdown in overtime. So they they are not um, like stagnant so much as they they just, again it's this is not new information i'm sorry we don't have something new and exciting to talk about on the podcast the inability to be explosive or the refusal to try means you're going to have to rely on 11 play drives and 15 play drives you know tennessee's tennessee's points came on an 11 play drive a 15 play drive one bomb and then even overtime it took them seven plays to go 25 yards so that's kind of the the whole thing it's not that they're bad it's that when that's what they want to rely on, sooner or later on first and ten, when this happened a bunch, you're only going to get two yards. And then you got second and eight, and then you only get two more yards, and then you got third and six, and you don't pick it up, and you punt. So, again, you know, maybe maybe there will be some sort of Cinderella transformation here when we play Virginia Tech and we unleash some secret new playbook we were holding out. But, um, you know, I'm I'm afraid – because this is kind of what it was last year. That's why that drive against Alabama, like I go back and watch it from time to time just because of how shocking it was. It was four plays, and three of them were explosive against Alabama in the fourth quarter in Tuscaloosa. Just like (laughs) shocking compared to the relative narrative about this team, and that narrative is a lot of, of what we saw against Appalachian State even though it wasn't necessarily working. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you talk for a second and take a breath uh, about all of that. But that's kind of only two three and outs, only two three and outs. But points on 15 plays for a field goal, 11 plays for a field goal, that is inefficient, my friend, inefficient. <laughs> all right, so I've been, like, really tired all day, and I think that <laughs> what I need to do is go watch that play, that drive against Alabama, because that really got you juiced, man. You yeah, were really excited just just talking about it. So it's just awesome. shocking. <laughs> Funny. Uh, all right. So here's my question, though. Um, you uh, you were complaining, as we all were complaining, uh, but you were using the Appalachian State drives. Is that really what we were last year too? Because I mean, I'm thinking Kentucky. We get we scored fifty. I'm thinking Northwestern, 
We had some exciting plays there, didn't we? Kentucky, the, so Northwestern is, is the biggest exception to this theory that I have. And I wrote about this, I think, okay. the week before the App State game. Northwestern was a pretty legitimate um, – but, but some of that comes from the fact that Northwestern didn't have an offense to put on the field to save their life. But the, the games that we think about in terms of Tennessee having an offensive explosion, Kentucky where we scored 59 points, there are two kick returns for scores plus – Darren Kirkland Jr. intercepted that screen pass in the game and ran it back to the four-yard line. So that, you know, and, and we did have another really great bomb uh, in that game. But those kinds of memories uh, that we tend to have uh, of the big explosive kinds of performances by this offense based on points, there's a lot of hidden special teams and defensive yardage in those, in those things. Vanderbilt last year, punt return for a touchdown. Derek Barnett had a safety. Um, Bowling Green wasn't, but remember with Bowling Green, like we had to keep scoring. We, we felt like we can't screw around here. We've got to keep, you know, getting this ball down the field and, and getting the job done. So, um, when you look at, I'm trying to pull up, you know, old, old, uh, drive charts here from, from last year. Um, well, uh, you know, we had some, um, interesting plays against Florida. And and see my theory on it is that they game plan based on the opponent. And so if they think they can beat them with a standard game, uh they'll they'll do a standard game plan. And if they yeah. know they need to bust everything out like against Florida or Alabama, then they game plan for those explosive plays, which I guess they feel are more risky or something, but you know, I don't know, it looks like they work a lot of the time. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe that is who we are, but maybe it is who we are because that's who they've decided they want to be, um, but they sometimes decide to be otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going back like the Florida game last year. Uh, there's only three three and outs in the Florida game last year, and one was at the end of the first half when we were backed up at Florida. Uh, no, we intercepted uh, Greer and had it at our own 11 with a minute left and were just actively trying to run out the clock, so I wouldn't even count that as a, as a three and out. They had one in the second half uh, up 20 to 14 where Dobbs got sacked, and then they had the infamous one where we were up 27 to 21 and they just ran it three times. Uh, and punted the ball back to back to Florida, and we all know how that turned out. Um, you know, there again, a lot of the offense against Florida, a lot of the yardage uh, against Florida was was trick play stuff, um, those kinds of things. I accidentally clicked on Western Kentucky. No one's interested in the advanced stats from that. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to click on. Uh, you know, the thing see, that like, was there was there was uh, another thing that was uh, kind of irritating. I almost went to infuriating, but it's kind of in between irritating and infuriating. And that is that we, we threw one deep pass. It went for a touchdown and we never tried it again. You know, yeah. I mean, it just seems like, well, you know, um, and, and we run these plays that feel like they're only getting a yard and a half every time. And we keep doing those. And that's why sitting in the stands can really get frustrating at times because, you know, you say, well, let's try this other thing that was exciting and worked, and instead you keep beating your head against the wall. Now, I guess I understand, you know, if if Butch assumed that he is a tweaker, assumed that the big tweak he made this year was, I'm not changing anything from last year, but I'm getting a better defensive coordinator. And right. we're going to win three more games just based on that one small little move. Um, maybe that's what's happening, but whew, they, uh, they they better do something better with the offense because it's not only going to be frustrating. You know, it, it gets uh, – the, the frustration factor increases tenfold when you almost blow a game. 
Yeah, and and the annoying thing, I've been going back and looking at more of this. Uh, I didn't plan on talking about this, by the way. It just happened naturally uh, about the three and out business. That um, like even who the opponent is, it doesn't seem to matter. Against Georgia, Tennessee had three three and outs against Georgia last year, uh, and and the common theme. One of them was at the end when we were up seven and we had a chance to run a clock out. We went three and out, and then we had that incredible punt that went out of bounds at the one yard line. Against Alabama last year, now granted, uh, much fewer plays in Alabama game last year. Against Alabama last year, two three and outs. Only two against Alabama on the road. But we did 11 plays for a missed field goal. We did 10 plays, 75 yards, touchdown, which is great. We did um, six plays to go for it on fourth down and not get it. We did 13 plays, 57 yards for a missed field goal. And then we did four plays, 75 yards for a touchdown. Um, so, you know, uh, that that's that's just kind of what's going on here, um, it, it seems to me. Now, again, maybe they, they come out firing, and they've done it before, not, not even Northwestern so much, but like Iowa in that bowl game. Uh, they, they came out firing in that, um, and it worked. It was successful. Um, oh. So I, I will be interested to see if if Fuente really does want to do his whole tempo thing, never mind personnel, never mind what he saw Tennessee do against Appalachian State, if he strolls in there Saturday night and says, we're going to dance, it's not really with what brung him because he's only been there for two games, but if he's going to dance with what brung him, what, what got him to this point in his coaching career, and wants to fire off 90 snaps against Tennessee, then I, I think we'll see Tennessee score a lot of points but it, it may come from, you know, having run 90 to 100 snaps. Bowling Green tried that against us and, and gave up, you know, 59 points. So um, I think things can look better Saturday, and they almost certainly will look better. If they look worse, then we've got a whole other set of problems, and we'll do suicide prevention on this podcast next week. But if, if you know, Tennessee can look better and almost certainly will, but will it be a function of – taking advantage of, of, you know, a Virginia Tech team that's brand new at this and kind of plays into Tennessee's hands, or will we see them actually truly go out and, and try to be more explosive? And, again, you don't want to fix things and break something else, uh, like you said. But um, I'll just be, you know, I'll, I'll be really curious to see what, if anything, is different Saturday in terms of play calling and aggressiveness and uh, – and all that stuff, and the same for the same reasons that we've gone back and said our offensive line is going to be fine. Uh, you also are at least a little inclined to have to go back and say probably not going to change, or or at least a strong possibility that we may not change anything much of of how these offensive games are being called, and we're going to try to beat teams with twelve play drives and so on and and so forth. So. I don't know. It'll uh, yeah, it'll be educational. It will be educational. Also, let me ask you all, since you mentioned Puente, um, do you do you think that uh, Tennessee and Virginia Tech are currently uh, equal punching weight? No. I no, I, I I do not. Um, I, I do not think that's particularly close. I do think. Uh, Virginia Tech was better on offense last year than they had been uh, the last few years. When people make the, the, you know, the narrative, well, Virginia Tech's been garbage on offense for years, they did improve last year. Um, their, their record didn't necessarily improve. And, you know, look, Frank Beamer had been doing that for so long that who he was was, was kind of uh, – that was, that was kind of who he was. But – um, you know, they, they put up, they put 24 on Ohio State. They gave Ohio State a game for two and a half quarters. Um, and, you know, as, as the year went on, they were able to do some good things. Some of their numbers are inflated. I think they played four overtimes with Duke. Um, and, and that certainly will inflate one's numbers. But they scored 26 on Boston College, who had one of the best defenses in the country last year, almost beat North Carolina. Um, you know, they, they have... I'm the one that made the joke earlier in the week about the nothing nothing overtime game. They played with a claw fence in 14. They were better than that um, last year, 
And I think the Evans kid uh, is is a good get for them at quarterback, and I think that they're going to have some real opportunity to take advantage of that. Um, And I think if we didn't have Cam Sutton, there would be a whole separate segment here about Isaiah Ford, but we do. Um, and it would it would delight me for them to test him like that was I would enjoy that a lot as as a fan uh, if if they wanted to go after him and try to you know make make that how they make their hay because I think Tennessee gets the best of that matchup. So do you think, um, do you think they uh, put they put Cam on him regardless of where he's at or do they give him a spot like we did kind of last year? See, this is the the Pharaoh Cooper conversation where um, South Carolina was able, I'm going to say it this way, South Carolina was able to create opportunities for Pharaoh Cooper um, that did not involve Cam Sutton guarding him. So, Shoop, you know, it's it's a good point. I don't know what his, uh, we didn't learn anything about pass defense playing App State, so uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, on that. But I think... um, and Virginia Tech has some other kind of exotic things. Uh, when he was mentioning the world's largest slot receiver earlier, Virginia Tech's tight end is two is uh, six foot seven, um, and if they move him out there, then obviously you've got uh, that's a tall, uh, no pun intended. That's a tall order for uh, Rashawn Golden or or somebody to try to cover him in that situation. I would imagine the way Tennessee's going to try to take advantage of that is getting pressure on the quarterback, which. There again, um, that's that's the most annoying. We should make that a segment on the podcast every week. The most annoying thing that I've heard people say about last week is, oh, Tennessee didn't get any sacks. They they didn't have any opportunity to sack the quarterback, no. really. Um, no, guy, so When he did throw it, it was like a three quarters of a second. Man, that was fast. Yeah, it was well coached. They they knew what they had. If you go back and watch Barnett, he was he was whipping that guy off the edge. They just weren't going to give him the opportunity. So I think it's, it is still possible playing against a JUCO quarterback um, on Saturday with a team that wants to run a lot of plays. The defensive line that we were all dreaming of, you, you may get a little, a little taste of that on, on Saturday. I'm, I'm not worried about that whatsoever, and I think that's something that Shoot may do to try to negate some of that other stuff. But it's a good question about Cam Sutton. I, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does. Uh, with uh, with Ford, but you know when you're getting 11 catches against an FCS opponent, when there are clearly uh, some other options to to throw it to, that you know Evans has has got a good thing going with him, and he caught 70 plus passes and I think 11 touchdowns last year. He didn't just appear out of thin air; he's a good receiver. Um, but I, I think Sutton is a step above, and I I still think um, I think Tennessee is is a step above, kind of at every position on the field. They were against App State, didn't matter a whole lot, but um I, I think Tennessee Tennessee may not make it comfortable on themselves or, or anyone watching, but I think Tennessee has it in them still. I, I do really think Tennessee has it in them still to win this thing fairly comfortably, where we're not having to sweat midway through the fourth quarter. Um so we'll see. We'll see if uh, you gotta be who you are and Butch may not be that guy. And we said before Fulmer was never really that guy. Um uh, on going for throats and and all that stuff, but uh, it certainly worked out all right for him. And and Tennessee still want to know. And and I'll say this: um, this being ranked 17th in the poll, you can make that a positive. Uh, if you're if you're Butch Jones for for all these guys, that's so easy to spin into a positive thing. Tennessee plays Alabama; they're going to be fine in the polls. If if, if you're worried about getting yeah. the playoff, go beat Bama. We'll be fine. Um, yeah. So uh, we don't have the right to worry about the playoffs just yet, but I think, you know, I'm, I was surprised they dropped eight spots, and I think the points are valid about um, Tennessee got punished for playing in front of a national stage when TCU and Michigan State struggled worse and did not get punished. Um, but that's that's the price you pay for for playing on uh, on opening night. You don't want to get punished. Play better. Um, yeah, so, coaches only dropped them to fourteen too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Coaches a little more understanding of uh, of not having the uh, the best the best day out the gate. Um, last thought, any anything? Uh, go ahead. I, I will note that uh, a few minutes ago, when you were talking about uh, defensive line, you uttered the phrase, "I am not worried about that at all," or something like that. Right. It was almost exactly the same phrase I used when you asked me about Appy State. App 
State last week. So <laughs> I just want to get that on record. That if we're jinxed, it's because of you this time. So I am not worried about the defensive line's ability to rush the passer at all. Not not at all. And if again, Man, if we're you just double down. If specifically pass rush, uh, you know, at, running the ball, App State did some misdirection stuff, took advantage of aggression, all that. I think we're okay there, but I, I'm not 100% sure. I am not concerned about the defensive line's ability to get to the get to the quarterback at all. And if we come back and we have to be concerned about that next week, we're also going to have to have a separate set of conversations because um, you brought Shoop in to be more aggressive and you've got the tools, my friend. Um, so I, I just don't think you got to see, I liked uh, the combo on at defensive tackle on every third down. I liked that a lot. And Tennessee only gave up three of 13 on third down. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, didn't have Jalen Reeves Maven to, to help get in there. I'm not, not worried, not worried about that. That's not to say that when we get down the, down the line here and, and we got to deal with a Texas A&M or, or, um, teams like Georgia and Alabama that are going to have to make you account for the run game in so many other ways to open things up in the pass game. There'll be, you know, we'll, we'll have some issues, but I'm not worried about, no, no, not at all. Tripling down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, Very good. Any, any uh, concern about the, the spectacle of, of this thing at all for, for Tennessee? You know, I've, I said last week I'm not going to be worried about Appalachian State because I was worried about Western Kentucky and Utah State and Chucky Keaton and Bowling Green and Tennessee was was fine and all those games, and then, of course, that didn't work out. I think Butch has done well in the spectacle of the the bowl games, um, and Tennessee has been extraordinarily competitive other than his first year against Alabama when the talent differential was so outrageous. And Worley got hurt. Of course, we were down. I think we were down twenty-eight to nothing when Worley got hurt. But if you look at what Butch has done against Georgia, against Florida, even though we didn't win, against Alabama after that first year, um, Tennessee has been ready to go and and has given been in opportunities to win games and all of kind of our big spectacle games and been lights out in both of the bowl games. So you know, I know this thing is going to be crazy and huge, and I'm looking forward to being part of it, but. Um, are, any anything about the unique nature of this thing that gives you any cause for for concern? I know it's the first time we've been the well, no, we were the we were the big national eight o'clock game at Oklahoma a couple of years ago. Um, but any anything at all about that 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 is even noteworthy or or worth pointing out for Tennessee? I think if uh, if we uh, if it weren't for last week. I would say maybe, but yeah, I think I think last week shook everybody awake and uh, got all the rust off and the cobwebs out and woke everybody up and every metaphor you can think of that might cause us to not lock in or not lose focus. Which, by the way, now that I'm thinking about it, somebody asked me today at the store because we got those official T-shirts, you know, it says lock in on them. Right. They go. They go. What does that mean? And and I said, you know, that's actually they printed those early enough that it was Butch Jones's phrase of the week at the time. But what they neglected to remember was that he has a different phrase every week. So nobody remembers that. And the one we actually forgot is the focus phrase, lock in. So I just that's kind of unique. Anyway, that was a roundabout of roundabout way of saying they lost focus and even even track of what their t-shirt was telling them to do (laughs) so anyway um i think if it wasn't for last week i think that i would be more concerned or i might understand it better after the fact um because i might have forgotten to be concerned if if i didn't get woken up last week too you know what i mean so yeah oh yeah um i don't think it's going to be a problem um and and the thing is it seems like we made every mistake that you can make, you know, and, and we did it with our best guys. That reminded me of the 2001 uh, LSU game. Um, that we lost. So, yeah, we lost. And you know why we lost? Our best players made oh, yeah. terrible mistakes. Um, yeah. Sometimes you just got to roll with that. 
Um, but thank goodness it happened against App State in the first game of the season and that we didn't lose because Maven's not making that mistake again. Uh, Cam Sutton's not going to fumble another uh, punt again. Um, Dobbs is going to be more careful with the ball. He's not going to jump in the air going across the, the end zone. Um, and, uh, shoot, what else? I mean, Hurd dropped the ball once, twice, yeah. three, four times. Um, you know, uh, I think our best guys may have been the ones that were the least focused, and I'm really glad. I really think they're going to be back and focused, and I'm really glad, and I think that's uh, – that that can only help. That's all speculation, but uh, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I, you know, I, we're doing a Q and A um, later this week, and um, one of the questions they asked was about the mindset of Tennessee fans and things like that. And I, I think I wrote like four paragraphs, and I'm sure the Virginia Tech site uh, that one was with the key play, uh, which is another Virginia Tech site, uh, was like, dude, this is not this is not what we asked for. Um, because they don't care about four paragraphs about the Tennessee psyche, but there's something to um, Butch hasn't gotten the, uh, we haven't had the we're back win, you know, Um, it doesn't count when you beat Georgia after you already lost to Oklahoma and Florida and Arkansas and everybody's mad. Uh, It counts for, I'm not trying to take that away from him, you know, but it's, that wasn't like the we're back win. That was the thank God win, you know? Yeah. Um, we we missed it against Oklahoma and we missed it against Florida the year before. Um, and, and I'm not here to suggest that beating an unranked Virginia tech team with a new head coach that we are, thanks to recruiting, we are better than more talented than uh, at, at probably every position. I'm not trying to suggest that, that beating this team would suggest that Tennessee is back, but you know, there's, there's, I think there's some catharsis that can happen with this team before we play Florida at this point. If Tennessee plays well, let's not, let's not remove ourselves from the possibility that Tennessee could play well on Saturday. And if they do, I, I think that can, that can offer some, uh, some confidence and some reassurance to this team and its, and its fan base that, um, you know, that, that, that Tennessee is going to be just fine. Uh, and and still very much is a good football team. So if Tennessee goes out and plays really well in that setting in front of that national audience, the same national audience that cost them the week before, and that's the other thing, this isn't just a national audience. This is a national audience on a really crap week of college football. Like, I had a hard time making – I picked the games for our picks contest, and usually I'll get to like 18 or 19 and then have to go back through and be like, all right, we need one more. I did my first pass this week and I was at 12. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's some games in that contest this week where teams are like 35 point favorites. And I was just like, well, it's kind of interesting. Baylor and Southern Methodist. That's kind of, it's Baptist and Methodist. That's kind of interesting. Um, so that's why it's in there. Baylor's 30, 36 and a half. The Baptists are favored. Um, but the Baptists are, are getting ready to be on probation, so it's all right. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- there's, this is a dog week. There's some in- – like Arkansas TCU, super interesting. South Carolina, Mississippi State in a twisted way, super interesting. Um, yeah. Kentucky, Florida. I'm gonna, If Florida loses before they play us, I'm going to be so pissed. I just want any any Florida fans <laughs> listening to this before that week, just please don't lose before you play us. Don't Don't deny me. It's been it's been eleven years. You could at least show up undefeated. Um, so, you know, th- this will be. There's just not a lot to talk about this week, other than this thing. And this thing is, pl- I mean, it's a it's 150,000 people. It'll be plenty to talk about. So, if if Tennessee plays well, I think that there can be a lot of catharsis. Not like what is available against Florida, but just a lot of a lot of good could come of that and resetting the table and saying, all right, we're 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 we are who we thought we were and uh and we're gonna be fine going forward. So we'll see. Joel, anything else? No. Um except that if there's one I don't know whether this is something to be concerned about or not, but because it is such a big spectacle, um I'm a little worried about 
mostly the fans keeping focus because there's there's talk up here they have not sold out a race in years um and so most people are talking about um getting there you know if you try to get there if you try to drive to this game like it's a regular football game you're going to miss it because you're going to have to park <laughs> 3 miles away yeah um, so a lot of people are, are just going really early in the morning and you know there's a lot of tailgaters that are that are used to going that early tailgating all day and still having energy for a night game um i'm not one of those you know <laughs> right. I try to do that you know i would i would need a nap you know about halfway through the first quarter um and it's not just that but th- people started parking their rvs yesterday and people are just hanging out at the racetrack all week and i don't know pace yourself folks you know <laughs> we're, we're going we're going to need you and i hope that they're not going to make demands on the team all day that day too you know for any sort of special because bms is is pretty good at at spectacle and um i hope that they're not demanding too much of the teams uh to to, to put on the show you know yeah. the show both their job is to play a football game at eight so anyway that was my only extra bonus thought it's a great point. That's why I'm, I personally am riding the bus from Knoxville because I don't even want to deal with that spectacle uh, in terms of the, the being there all day. Uh, but it's, it's a valid point. Tennessee needs something good to happen to them early. And I've said that on this podcast a lot over the last six or eight years or however long we've been doing this. But this time not in the sense of, you know, oh, we're the underdog, whatever. We need something to go right early. But um, everybody needs, needs a chance to be able to take a deep breath and uh, that 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 crowd fatigue or malaise or whatever uh, won't set in until about midway through the second quarter. So yeah, we it would it would be great if by midway through the second quarter we could be talking about is Tennessee going to blow this lead? I would love to have that conversation in the middle of the second <laughs> quarter. So that, I, I miss it. I miss I miss it last week. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping we could avoid that part too, but you know. I'd, I'd rather have like like the Kentucky game, where, where I'm just giggling through the second half. That was well, yeah. We have the conversation, but just for one drive. Is Tennessee going to blow this okay. lead? No, no, they're not. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, I like that. All right, that's what we're going for. Yeah, with that. All right, all right, very good. Our thanks to John Schneider. You can find him at gobblercountry.com. Um, they do great work covering Virginia Tech, as you heard. Uh, you have plenty of access uh, to the program as well. Uh, and so we look forward to uh, doing some more stuff and hearing from them later this week. You, of course, can check us out at rockytoptalk.com. Our thanks to you for listening. Uh, we will be back next week, hopefully not doing any suicide prevention. Uh, but whatever happens, we will uh, we'll talk through it and try to figure it out and, uh, and continue on. So uh, our thanks uh, for listening. For John Schneider and Joel Hollingsworth, I'm Will Shelton, and this has been the Rocky Top Talk Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.